Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's Ben Young. He is in pastoral ministry in a large church in Houston. He is a spiritual survivor and shared with me recently about God's faithfulness in the midst of struggle and offers tools that can strengthen believers every day. Then from the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Delaware, it's Amy Burgard of Mending Wings to Fly, who has a heart for children who have experienced bullying and offers some perspective on countering these negative experiences. Also, Mary Beasley is a Christian counselor who enjoys writing and desires to see unity among believers. In fact, she told me at CPE about a series of novels set in a place where people are viewed for who they are, not for what they look like. You can learn more ahead. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, a report from Washington, D.C. from Kimberly Fletcher of Moms for America. She was in the nation's capital for the hearings for prospective U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Some commentary regarding the hearings and the nominee is coming up. Finally, Mark Johnson is a medical doctor who has a desire to see marriages healed. Through understanding the concept of marriage as a covenant relationship, he believes that couples can improve their marriages. You'll be hearing some of his insight ahead. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ben Young is on the pastoral staff at Second Baptist Church in Houston. He's also an adjunct professor at Houston Theological Seminary. In his book entitled, Survive the Day, Thriving in the Midst of Life's Storms, he offers biblically-based wisdom that can be helpful as Christians navigate the struggles of life day by day. From a recent conversation, this is Ben Young now. One thing I learned, and I learned this from a clinical psychologist, and every time I would call her you know, to get help about my situation, she would ask me three questions. She would say, are you eating, are you sleeping, and are you working out? So when when you're in the middle of a crisis, when it's just starting and you're kind of in the trauma phase of things, you've got to stay focused on really the basics, and that is eating, sleeping, and working out as basic as it sounds. But as far as an overall principle for anybody going through a storm right now, we're all going through, as you mentioned, Bob, this whole COVID craziness, not to mention the uh, political upheaval in our country today we see in all of our cities. Um the thing about storms are and circumstances that not, that not only don't change but get worse is we can get stuck. We can get stuck in the past or we can get freaked out about the future and filled with anxiety. So to me, my focus on coaching people through life storms is to help them move forward. That is the key. There's a quote by Soren Kierkegaard, the great Christian philosopher, and he said, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So a big part of the book is about how do we move forward today? What can I do right now, to use a football analogy, if I may, what do I do now to move the ball down the field? And so I try to write this book from a very biblical perspective, but also a very practical perspective as well. And and of course to uh, to not to, I guess to pile on just a little bit or to build I should say on this football sure. analogy, you're not necessarily dropping back and trying to get the entire the, the entire touchdown at one time. 
You're not even no, perhaps a, even that's trying. That's a great to... <laughs> analogy. You're, you're exactly right, Bob. It's and football, as we know, we've seen before, as we've watched over the years and played the game. It's a game of inches and yards yeah, and yeah. feet. I mean, how many games come down to that? And so it's the same way in life. When you're in the middle of life storm and you feel like everybody, to use your words, are literally piling on, and you're injured and you're wondering, man, I just need to make it one yard and then get another yard and then get a first down and then just keep moving forward down the field. And so, you know, one of the things that prevents us, I think, that I talk about, I have two whole chapters on this, is that shadow voice. And we all have this voice inside mm. of our head. I don't know if it's the flesh, the devil, or whatever, but it's that voice that tells you to quit. It's that yeah. voice that tells you you're not good enough. It's that voice that tells you to give up. And so one of the main things we have to do in battle uh, when we're in a middle of a life storm is that shadow voice. And that's something, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is something that can be devastating, because there there are influences, and like you say, you, you think about the world, the flesh, and the devil, you know that the, you do have an enemy as a believer in Christ. There's an enemy who's trying to hold you back. He does not want you to take that next step. He does not want you to grow in your spiritual life or move forward. He wants to keep you in that stuck place. And you have these influences, you have the, the flesh and, and perhaps thought patterns that you have developed that can be detrimental. Mental. So when when you encounter that shadow voice, I know it's very easy to say, "Well, I'll just I'll just ignore it, and maybe it will go away." Does that work? Yeah. Uh, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work. You, you've got to be incredibly proactive, and you have to be on your guard every day, sometimes every hour of every day, to really deal effectively with the shadow voice. And what I try to teach people to do in this book, and I try to practice this myself today, I'm not just, you know, babbling on and uh, little quotes here, but is to replace the shadow voice with the stronger voice. There is a stronger voice that we have to learn how to listen to and internalize, and that is the voice of God. But many times, I mean, at the same time, many times God speaks to us in, in a variety of ways. So in the book, I talk about how you can, you know, really deal with that inner dialogue, deal with the shadow voice, and replace it uh, with the voice and truth of God. Ben Young here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website benyoung.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection Podcast at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware, Amy Burgard, author of the children's book entitled Lift, Discuss the concept of the book, which is designed to provide encouragement for children who are being bullied. Here now from that conversation is Amy Burgard. Well, in this book, Lift, you talked about the four different characters. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, you wanted to identify four different components, each represented by a letter of the word Lift. So tell us briefly how these characters really discovered these components. Well... Actually, they, are, they receive a special letter from Father God from a dove that after this bullying situation, they're at home, and this dove actually takes them to a special place of their very own, one-on-one, and they receive a message from God about how he sees the, per- the situation, how he is ministering to each child where they're at in their hearts as a result of that bullying so they read that letter and they get God's perspective um, of 
that situation and they rise above it because there's something specific he wants them each to do that will counteract what the enemy basically was used to do um, in this bullying situation. For those who are experiencing bullying, and I would imagine that you are talking to parents in our listening audience Mm -hmm. that perhaps their kids are facing bullying. And you mentioned in the pandemic that even though kids may not be in school, this is still taking place. I would assume you're talking about cyberbullying and and ways that, that children are mistreating other children. So how did the attitudes of these children change after they discovered these principles that are consistent with scripture? Well, for example, Caleb is dealing with some deep hatred um, as a result of this bullying. So the thing that God ministers to him to is love, that God wants him to love the, the per- people, the children that have bullied him. And so there is a deep sense of, if Caleb, if you only knew that if these bullies knew how much I loved them, they would not have treated you that way. So in a sense of putting compassion in his heart, for his his bully the the ones that bullied yeah. him and so so each one is a, a direct counter um a god's perspective that counteracts that thing that was brought negatively into their hearts and so because they're getting god's perspective on the situation and it puts a compassion in their hearts um for example victoria is dealing with wishing everything like she could go back home to England she's from England and she wants to go back home and she's and she starts complaining and and murmuring about the things that are going on God gives her the perspective that she needs to be thankful that that's the tea and lift thankful and so she understands so she does this specific thing that God wants her to do and it does totally change her heart and her mind and her Uh, perspective on things so you see the children the day when they come home from school they you you see them downtrodden and and downcast and then when God gives them that message that love identity forgiveness and thankfulness you see their faces going back to school with hope and and an encouragement and they're they have their minds and their hearts and and the God place that they he wants them to be Amy Burgard here on The Intersection. Her website is mendingwings2fly.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Mary Beasley of Lumar Innovations. She visited Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the CPE Fall 2020 show and discussed her book, Resting Place, Deja Vu, the third in a series of books set in a place where people are viewed for who they are, not for what they look like. From that conversation, this is Mary Beasley now. Actually, in the first book, uh, Resting Place uh, Phoenix, it talks about the place where a bunch of college students come together and they go through college and they have their degrees, doctorate, and they have they have their teaching. They, they came out seeking careers that they have been trained to do, but they their culture where they were was that they were of a certain expectation to take on the laborer's position, but they were trained for more. 
and they were frustrated and they wanted to find a place of rest where I can be who God has called me to be. So they decided to move all of them to a place and they build, and this is like years and years, like 30, 40 years ago, they went out to a land called Maryland in the woods and they built a place. And when they had a town form, they was they were saying, well, this is my place of rest. This is my resting place. And people would say, well, where, where this place is? And they said, resting place. And after they started building up structures like schools and stores and hospitals, they named the town Resting Place. So how did they foster, and this, this is a place, and I really believe that there is analogy, just take a step out on a limb here, probably not too big of a step, but there's <laughs> really analogy, an analogy to how God would want us to see one another and how he sees us as believers as one regardless of our racial and cultural differences. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about a place where people can grow and function together and the expectations are not put on someone artificially, but there's a, there's a sense of being built on that particular worldview that people are, are viewed from the standpoint of their identity mm -hmm. of, of who God has called them That's to right. be. Yes. I, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is built on the premise that uh, you are valued, you are that there is excellence in you, and that uh, and that we we can grow from one another. We we can support one another, and that's what it's about. Friends supporting friends, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their past some you know some some and even in this in this book resting place deja vu there's a young a girl who's been labeled and she is ostracized because of past mistakes who finds forgiveness and wholeness be in this group of people that are that uh, the Weston family, so hmm. it's a uh, it's a it's a good place. <laughs> Mary Beasley is joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio, talking about the Resting Place series. This is the Meeting House, Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in mm -hmm. Delaware. Well, Mary, when you establish a place like this, essentially a place of refuge, a place of rest mm -hmm. where people can accept one another despite their differences, you are, I mean, let's face it, you're dealing with human beings here. So what are, <laughs> so while someone might look at this as maybe a, a utopia, mm -hmm. nevertheless, there are the, the tensions and conflicts, the pressures, the challenges of human relationship. So mm -hmm. how does that manifest or those things manifest themselves in mm. resting place? And they do. Because you're right, we are in a real we're the real world. Yeah. But it also gives us hope that we are we are part creators of that world. The people in this book make decisions every day 
to choose how they will interact, how they the choices they make. Mary Beasley here on The Intersection. You can find out more through the Lumar Innovations website. It's lminow.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is linked to that webpage as well. You can find it through the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for the Faith Radio podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Continuing now with this edition of The Intersection, it's the founder and president of Moms for America, a grassroots education and advocacy group. Kimberly Fletcher reported from Washington, D.C., the site of hearings for Amy Coney Barrett for the U.S. Supreme Court. In our overall conversation, she described the background and concept of the organization, as well as the qualities of the nominee. From that conversation, this is Kimberly Fletcher now. He can only perform his miracles through those here on earth who are the instruments of those miracles. And right now, he needs mothers, good women of faith, more than ever to teach those principles in their home and stand for truth, be ambassadors for truth in this time of enormous lies and deception. The emperor is not wearing any clothes. And if no one else is going to say it, the mothers of America will get up and say it. And I think right now it's gotten so bad in our country that moms are ready. And so when we reach out to them, they kind of get excited. That I just got an email a little while ago and said, oh, my gosh, I just found you. What can we do? I want to be involved. And I said, well, the first thing you can do is learn what we have and, and so that you know what you're fighting for. That's it. We have to first know what America is about. Give us our history and our heritage back. Realize how influential women have been, good women throughout history to create this beautiful government that we have that is unique in all the world. If they don't know what they have, then they're not going to fight for it. Not too far from where you are now, the second day of hearings for Amy Coney Barrett, the nominee for the U.S. Supreme Court, have been taking place. This is day two of a projected four-day series of hearings of Judge Barrett. And the second day, yesterday was really a day where each senator had the opportunity to make statements. Today, there were a number of questions for Judge Barrett, and I want you to share with us, Kimberly, what you see as what Amy Coney Barrett brings to the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite subject. Okay, <laughs> let's just put aside the fact that she is a rock star mom, <laughs> you know. Um, 
But part of part of what she brings to the table is the fact that she's a mom. And when you can, you know, raise seven children and manage uh, all of the things that go along with that, that that right there is is an endorsement. But she has taken her her. Um, and you know what? I don't even think she would call it a career. I think she she the way I hear her speak, it sounds more like a calling to her. That that what she does as a, as a judge is a calling. And you know what? We need people like her so desperately because most of the the judges, the lawyers, the elected officials in this country have no idea what the what the Constitution says or is about. And if they do, then they're completely ignoring it. And here's a woman who is a, a she calls herself an originalist, um, and what that means is she has read the Founding Fathers. She's read the Constitution. She's read the Doc Declaration of Independence. She doesn't try to get around it like they teach you in law school now. She, had, she dove right into it and said, what does this really mean? We need that so desperately on the Supreme Court because all of these things that are, that are passing through the Supreme Court are now becoming legislated things. The Supreme Court is not a legislative branch where they get to make laws or make up funny, you know, funny policies. Their whole entire job is to determine whether something is constitutional or not, whether an inv individual's um, divine inherent constitutionally protected rights are being infringed upon or not. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. And, and when they talk about ruling, there's no such thing as a Supreme Court ruling. It doesn't exist. Hmm. It's a decision. It's an opinion. It is an opinion. And, and we, we treat it like, like it's law. So, so my question to all of the feminists that have been out there protesting is, and, and I, this is the same thing I would say to the Democrat senators, because I have so little respect for them right now. I, I expect these feminists to wear their funny, ridiculous costumes and, and act like lunatics during things like this. But for sitting members of Congress to behave the way that they did yesterday, I, I think you were very um, kind when you said gave statements. There was a lot of bloviating and grandstanding <laughs> and a dog and pony show. That's what it was. It's a waste of taxpayers' time and money. But what, what uh, my big question to them is, if abortion, killing babies, is in fact a constitutional right, and if Obamacare that they are talking so much about is in fact constitutional, then why are they so afraid of having constitutional judges on the court? Kimberly Fletcher here on The Intersection. The website address is momsforamerica.us. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, from the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Delaware, it's Mark Johnson. He is a medical doctor and discussed the concept of covenant as it is found in the scriptures and how it applies to marriage, a topic he explores in the book, The Covenant of Marriage, which is book two in the Covenant series. From that conversation, this is Mark Johnson now. Yeah, we're on fire. Our hearts are on fire for each other. We love each other. We want to show that love. Okay, so I want to be doing loving things for my wife, but there's always a stopping point to what I'm willing to do in the name of love, which is if what I'm calling to do for the sake of love too much violates my sense of my self-interest, I'm going to hit that stopping point. And since if we most think of marriage as my life made better, it's about my life alongside another person's life, 
what covenant does is it joins these two lives. I also, as I enter covenant, I become different. Okay, so if I'm using my old sense of self-interest, what covenant teaches us is that that old sense of self-interest is now outdated. That's the interest of a self that literally no longer exists. I have become a different person as I enter marriage. Now, I'm calling to love my wife. As it turns out, there is no stopping point for that. And the first thing we're calling to do is to love our wife as, as we love ourselves. The next thing, though, what's the problem with that? I don't always love myself very well. <laughs> okay. So then sure. God provides a, his definition of love for us. And then he shows us how to move from point A to point B which is we now have to change how we think of ourselves, how we view ourselves, because we have become different. Our bond between my wife and I is now a very unique thing. She has become literally an extension of myself. So what I do for her, I literally am doing for myself. God makes it easy to love her like I love myself, because in a real sense, she is myself. Okay, so we start there, mm-hmm. and then we, we have to dismantle the old guidance system that pulls us away from doing that. And there's a step-by-step way to do that that we, we cover in the book. Dr. Mark Johnson joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio as we talk about covenant as applied to the institution of marriage that God has ordained. So as we continue to look at this notion of being in that one flesh relationship, as right. the Bible describes it, a covenant with one another, marriage is more than just an agreement between two people. It's not an agreement. It's not a contract. Explain, if you would, the difference between the covenant relationship. You've touched on it already, but I wanted you to to drill a little bit deeper for us between covenant and just a, you know, just a contract. Okay. A contract is designed to stipulate behavior. A contract tells us what to do and to not do. A contract does not, there's no contract you could write that would Uh, cover all the things we would do to love another person or that could require that we love another person. Yet God does specifically that. He requires of us that we love him, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we love our neighbors, ourselves, and certainly our husband or wife. You know, we, we love them fully and completely. So in order for that to happen, you know, we can say we love, we can put it on our bumper sticker, we can, you know, we can uh, wear clothing that extols the virtues of loving each other. But in terms of actually doing that, something about us needs to change at a very deep level. First, we need to actually be joined because what separates people, again, is differing self-interests that head off in different directions. And those are real. But if you've got separate people, a contract joins two separate entities together. You don't make a contract with yourself. In covenant, you now become a self, you become a family, you become something that is a real entity by joining together. Now, that family, the, the, you know, the love that I would display for my wife within that uh, should grow better and better and better over time. And the way we know we're not being loving is conflict. You know, as, as our guidance system, what drives our behavior uh, is off base then we're going to run into each other in in a conflict scenario. So most people view conflict as a really bad thing in marriage. Actually, it's a wonderful thing because that highlights the things within me that need to change. If they change, now I'm going to live 
in a more loving way, we're going to build a better relationship. Now, you repeat that process over and over again. My wife and I have been doing this now for the last 20 years. And if you repeat that process over and over and weed out one thing after another in our own guidance systems that are unloving, all of a sudden you got a marriage that's just like on fire. I love my wife much more deeply from the heart now, even than I did when we were falling in love for the first time. I mean, this is God's way of showing us how to build a loving relationship. Mark Johnson here on The Intersection. His website address is markjohnsonmdauthor.com. We're nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more at meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. The podcast is linked to that homepage. You can find it in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter at Access The Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.